culture. I cut my way out podcast. Tune us in. We on the grind like. I put the clippers in my hand. I got a whole different plan. I gotta see how this play out. Hoping that it pay out. Trying to cut my way out. I put the clippers in my hand. I used to dream as a kid on the porch of the crib and make it big and one day endorse where I live. And welcome back to the I Cut My Way Out podcast. Back with another episode. I am at Kenneth Jinks and I am joined by my esteemed, gracious brother and friend. I done took over the last couple of episodes, but go ahead and tell us who you are and where we can reach you on the socials because you are the barber of the show. So, All right. All right. All right. This is Ashra Knox. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at a underscore Knox, the barber four. Um, also Facebook, um, just under Ashra Knox. Um, back to Instagram um, with a Knox underscore beard culture four. And of course, um, our joint Instagram page, I cut my way out underscore pod. And, Absolutely. And catch yes, us at, uh, at, catch me at those and catch us together um, at any one of those. Um, absolutely. So 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 we're back at it again, man. How are you doing, man? How's the week? Man, uh, week has been good. Uh, just trying to maintain and 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 really just. Keeping keeping the content flowing. Uh, I appreciate you for you know definitely you know lining up the guests and 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 just you know do it, making it a success. I mean I can't you know I, I just got to give you flowers. I mean I'm having a lot of fun and, and I appreciate it. I appreciate and, it. Yeah. So, dream work make the teamwork make the dream work. So yeah. So we um, both playing our part. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, so let's get into it. We recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, um, so we're not trying to take away uh, our guest time. But uh, I know you got the fire intro, so take it away <laughs> once again. Oh, 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 before you take it away, yeah, I come away out podcast everywhere where you can listen to podcasts. Most notably, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeart, TuneIn, Speaker, YouTube, YouTube, definitely. YouTube is tripping, so we have to have 100 uh, subscribers for 30 days before we can change the URL. Okay, but okay. To, to the good people that help get us to 100, we're going to keep it going. So there's no reason for you not to unclick. So thank you very much. And, you know, that's just something personal to us, you know, to have our own URL on YouTube. So that'll be coming. But other than that, uh, take it away. We got a, a great guest, and I know you got the fire Absolutely. intro. Absolutely. Um, hello, everyone. Today we have um, another special guest. Um, this person is, I would con consider him um, not only a friend, but a staple um, in the Champaign-Urbana community. Um, this gentleman is um, highly intelligent, just all around um, good brother. Um, he's also my insurance agent as well. Um, but, but with that, I greatly appreciate and want to let him know um, amongst all the people that I just appreciate um, what he does for me and how he keeps 
um, the balance of, of not only a friend, but an insurance agent and um, is professional and keeps us abreast and um, does everything that, that he needs to do for us. So we greatly appreciate that. Um, and, and so as we get into this, everybody heard me say State Farm agent, you see him repping his shirt. And some may ask, what does a barber podcast have to do um, with insurance? And so we're just going to get into some things. But um, many of you do know and many don't know. And um, Joe um, himself can attest to this, that a lot of not only barbers, independent contractors, self-employed, um, but also many um, of our African-American, African excuse me, brothers and sisters in our community, um, oftentimes we lack having the proper insurance. And unfortunately, it comes to bite us um, on many occasions. So um, today, as we get into this, we, we say we want to motivate, inspire, and also educate. Um, this is one of those um, educational podcasts, but also just Joe's journey um, from where he started and how he ended up becoming an insurance agent opposed to um, his direction at first. So going to dive um, into all of those things and just um, just drive questions at him and, and, and get his knowledge and just pick his brain. So without further ado, um, ladies and gentlemen, to all the listeners, we have Mr. Joe Stoball, um, who's a State Farm agent again here in the Champaign, Illinois community. And we are um, privileged to have you on. How you doing, Joe? Doing fantastic. It's an honor to be here with you two brothers. Uh, been watching you guys do what you do. And this is just, uh, you know, another feather in my cap to be able to be on here and share my journey and my experience in terms of what I've been doing in my life and see what you guys are doing and just, you know, whatever comes to fruition in terms of our conversation, let's get it happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm ready to, to, to jump right off in this. Um, we, we had a podcast, we had a young man, young man on who's certified financial planner. And I had already been thinking of you, but we've had some, some followers. And one of my, my guys hit me. I don't know if you remember um, Brian Bracey. He's like, man, that was, you know, awesome um, podcast, man. Also, man, you, you, you know, you guys should hit up on insurance. I'm like, man, you must have been reading my mind. So I already had it in my mind that we wanted to bring you on. So Jinx and I talked, reached out to you. Um, and got it going. Um, you're you're well versed um, in in your craft, so just gonna start. You know, start out. We're gonna dive right into it. Um, can you can you tell the listeners just a little bit about your your upbringing? I, of course, I know you and 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 your brother, um, who's also a client of mine on a personal level. I know you come from an, an education background that was a strong um, a, a strong thing in your household. So, can you just tell us about your upbringing and your journey in regards of how you ended up um, getting into the insurance um, business. Wow. Well, um, we come from, as, as you indicated, knowing my brother, we, we come from an educational background. Our mother was a teacher. You know, we started on the south side of Chicago, 50th and Cottage Grove. Ooh. She taught on the west side. Said it again, my brother. I just said, woo. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you, well, 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 50th and Cottage Grove is. It was okay. different. In, in the okay, States. because I'm trying to think, right, because I'm trying to think uh, 50, 
you was kind of on the edge of of uh what's the affluent um what oh, man I done drew a blank Joe what's the affluent neighborhood where Barack and everybody stay oh you talking about High Park High Park is, is it it's it's on the it, it's on the edge yeah that's what I meant on the edge so when right. I said woo I'm thinking okay well maybe not so hood but you know right but it we uh. Our, our family uh, is a railroad family. So my grandfather, my dad, and two uncles worked on Illinois Central. Okay. And they worked on the city of New Orleans line. It went from Chicago to New Orleans. Okay. Okay. So my mom, as I said, she was a school teacher. And even though we lived on the south side, she taught on the west side. And so just like sharing one of her stories, when she would go to the west side to teach, you know, the bangers would watch her car for her as she went into the nice. building. Nice. And then the bangers who were actually going to school would put their weapons in her desk drawer when they came into class. And then she taught. And then at the end of class, they could take their weapons when they left. You know, so uh, there was much mad respect that she got when she was in her classroom because she didn't take any foolishness. And, you know, so that was the, when we moved to Champaign in the 60s, we moved her over on uh, First and Church because once again, with family being a part of railroad, we were basically right across the street from the train station. And in that neighborhood, a lot of men worked on Illinois Central Railroad, okay. whether it be on the train itself or cars, et cetera. So for me personally, I got the best of both worlds. I got to see a, a strong black man going to work every day, you know, doing his thing. Now Pops would be gone three to four days on that line, but when he came back, you know, the old James Brown, Papa don't take no mess. So, you know, <laughs> all you gotta do is ask Bob about the number of whoopings we used to get, you know, when he'd come back. But mom on that education tip, that was her thing. So I went to a Booker T over on Grove Street. Uh -huh. And the thing for me was that Booker T was turned into a magnet school the year I got there. So. The year before I got to Booker T at elementary school, it was 98% African-American. The year I got there, it was down about 23% African-American because most of the University of Illinois was bringing in, the, the faculty and staff were bringing their kids in because Booker T had the first computer system in it in the nation. And the computer, if you go to the Beckman Institute right now, it's encased in glass. And it's called Plato. So... I was working on computers when I was in elementary school. And this was in the early 70s. Here's where the problem lies when it comes to education. When I would come back home into the hood, everybody else had been bussed out to different schools. So my educational experience was totally different, even though we were in unit four, than everybody else. So at an early age, I started to recognize the difference in terms of what I was getting compared to what other guys were getting. And so as I journeyed through that, you know, I, I, I would call myself a nerd. You know, I was coming up during the time of the Apollo program through NASA. So I wanted to be an astronaut. So I was really engaged in mathematics and science. Uh, by the time I finished at Booker T, I was at the eighth, ninth grade level. So when I got to Edison, I was, you know, I slept through Edison. Which, which is an elementary school for those who don't, I mean, a, a, a junior high school. Yeah. There you for those go. Those who don't know. Okay. So when I got to Edison, it was still junior high, seventh grade, 
And then that's when the middle school system came in. So my eighth grade year, we only did two years at Edison because okay. they then moved the uh, freshmen up to Central. And then I didn't see another computer from when I went to Booker T as elementary from K through six. I didn't see another computer until I got to college, when I got to Quincy College in the fall of uh, 82. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, kind of a different, so, different thing. Right. So, so once you got to college, coming from that educational background, what was your major in college? I started off in mathematics. I was going to be a mathematician. And uh, I went to Quincy to play basketball. I uh, played okay. basketball at Champaign Central. So uh, I had my priorities backwards. I, I, I went to Quincy not to go to college. I went to Quincy to play basketball. Okay. And then I realized uh, real quick that being five foot 10, the, the future was not bright when it came to being a basketball player. Right, right. Uh, the coach at the time, Cheryl Hanks, who's in the Hall of Fame, uh, wanted to send me to a junior college. And I came home. I talked to my mom and I was like, yeah, you know, he wants me to go down to Mobley, uh, Missouri and uh, play down there and then come back to Quincy. And the my great mom said, Mitch no. Richmond. Yeah, come on. You already know. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, I get ahead now because yeah. locally they still yeah. go. I think my guy Rich McBride down there currently. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so y'all know. I mean, Mobley was. Uh, yeah. You know, guys balling out down there. Yeah, they right. said pros. But my mother said, "No, nah, you uh, you're not going to go to Mobley because if you go to Mobley and let's say another school sees you, then you're going to end up at a third school." Mm-hmm. And her attitude was, "No, you you go to college to get education, and then so you can get a career." And so uh, she ended my career for me. No injuries. Okay. No nothing. <laughs> and so I, I've transferred to Illinois State uh, because of two things. Number one, uh, money. You know, it was pretty inexpensive to go to Illinois State back then. And number two, uh, even though growing up in Urbana-Champaign, the University of Illinois just wasn't recruiting us, folks who lived in the community. I had been uh, receiving literature as far from Pepperdine on the West Coast to Boston University on the East Coast. Mm. But I never got one... Uh, letter or anything from the University of Illinois. So I went to Illinois State and I majored in chemistry. And I got my degree uh, from Illinois State. And then uh, I started my career, a brief career with Dow Chemical up in Midland, Michigan. Okay. Okay. So so for the listeners, we're, we're looking and we bring you on, we introduce you as a state, state farm agent, but here you are with a, a degree in chemistry. So... <laughs> After finishing up um, with your degree in chemistry, um, how did this journey begin with, with State Farm? What, what took you, and, and for, for us, we also talk about inspiration. So I think this is another um, inspiring story, not to only give us the knowledge of your field, but to also talk about, you know, finding your purpose because you could have chased that money and, and don't get me wrong, I'm pretty sure you've done extremely well. Um, with State Farm because you you have a gift. And I think that's why you're as successful um, as you are in, in what you do. But most people would not give that chemistry background up to go into to to chemistry, I mean, into insurance. So can you, you talk about that and what led you sure down that road? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was, first of all, I, I try to live by the why not. I think one of the things that has happened within the African-American community is we've always asked the question why. 
as opposed to saying, why not? You know, um, my hero, you know, my dad is my hero, always will be my hero, but also Muhammad Ali was my hero. Okay. And so growing up, Muhammad Ali always took on every challenge he had, whether it be uh, in the ring or outside the ring. So my attitude was always, if I got an opportunity to do something, why not? Right. If you fail, so what? Everybody fails. So going to your question about how I transitioned from chemistry to insurance, in the summertime, I used to go over on campus and play ball with a lot of guys at the U. And uh, one of the guys I uh, created a relationship with named Cater Menace, Cater had graduated a year prior at the U of I, and he was working with State Farm. Okay. And he had come back for the summer, and we were hooping one time, and I was telling him about my experience at Dow, and I was like, you know, I work in a 1,600-square-foot lab. It's just me and this giant machine called a co-extruder. And I was working on uh, strand barrier polymers. I won't get into all the details on that. We have to do that on another show. But uh, basically what my job was is to create uh, a matrix between saran wrap and the plastic cereal bags that you keep cereal in to increase the shelf life of the cereal. And the issue I had was that I was using my degree, but I wasn't using the talents that God gave me to be able to interact with people because I was in the lab by myself. And so I just couldn't see doing that for 30, 35, 40 years. And so I shared that with Cater and he said, hey man, give State Farm your resume. And just like what you said, I said, well, Cater, I'm a chemist. He said, they don't care. He said, they just want good people. He said, and the fact that you're not in an insurance background means you haven't been trained by somebody else so they can train you the way you want. Went ahead and put my resume in and. About two weeks later, I got a phone call. And in July of 1988, I signed on as a State Farm Claim Representative in Rockford, Illinois. And that's okay. how I got started. Wow. wow. So were, was that uh, where I know the, you know, the the corporate, um, they have a, a building in, in Bloomington. So was it Rockford back in the 80s or 90s whenever you, the time frame you're talking about, what was in Rockford just, was there a corporate office there or was it just, that's where they just sent you? What they had uh, at that time that were called CSOs, which just stands for a claim service offices. So like in Champaign, out on Country Fair Drive, there used to be a claim service office out there. Uh-huh. And what those offices did, they housed the claim reps who handled automobile claims and homeowner claims. And so back in, at that time, you would come to the claims office, like if you had a car accident, and you needed an estimate for the damages on your car, you would actually drive out there. We would write the estimates, give you the estimate, you would go to your body shop and then we would work with your body shop, get your vehicle repair. You know, you fast forward to today, due to technology, you just go straight to the body shop, they write the estimate, et cetera. So that's where I started in that field office in Rockford. I worked there from 88 to 91. In 91, they transferred me from uh, Rockford to Schaumburg, Illinois, northwest suburbs out in Chicago. I worked in Schaumburg from 91 to, I want to say 93 or 94. Then they transferred me to Naperville and uh, Batavia, Illinois. And throughout that time, I was being promoted 
and I had gotten to middle management. I was in what is called a CCS, a CSSS position, excuse me, which just stood for Claim Support Service Supervisor. And in 1996, I literally was sitting at my desk and I got a phone call. And this just shows you how God works. And it was after five. And normally, you know, you don't answer your phone after five, but I answered it. And on the other end was uh, Gary Lukovich, who's the recruiter at the time for State Farm Agency. His exact words were, somebody told me I need to meet you because you should be a State Farm agent. And we talked for about 10 minutes. I got into the program. The program at that time was called Agency 2000 because in the history of State Farm, they never hired uh, internal employees. So if you work for the company, you couldn't become an agent. They always hired their agents from outside because what they wanted was community oriented people. So State Farm was big on hiring teachers. So Ash, you would have been a perfect State Farm agent because <laughs> of your background in the community and teaching. So they hired, you know, for years, you know, State Farm was founded in 1923. So we're getting ready to come up on a hundred years in a couple of years. But when they started the Agency 2000 program, they started looking at claim representatives because we were the ones who made contact with the public you know, we were selling claims just like you're selling insurance. And so we went through the program and then uh, I'll say it was probably around November of 96. Uh, out of 150 people who were in our program, 23 of us were selected to become agents. And I was blessed to be one of those 23. And we spent six months from January to June in Bloomington, Illinois, January to June of 1997, uh, five days a week training to be an agent. And then God blessed me in October of 97, moved back to Champaign and I became the first African-American agent in Champaign, Illinois with State Farm. And then, because uh, Arthur Cooper was here in Urbana right. before me. So okay. Coop was the first African-American agent in Champaign County and he was positioned over in Urbana. And then unfortunately, you know, we lost Coop a few years ago. And right. so I'm the, currently the only African-American agent in Champaign County wow. for State Farm. Wow. Wow. So cool. Joe, I got, I, got, <laughs> I got two questions. The first question is um, going from Dow to your journey at State Farm when you when you got that, um, how did your parents react to the career change when you told them, you know, when you made that decision? And the second question is, was getting back to Champaign always the goal or was that just, uh, was that just circumstance that you ended up back in Champaign? Well, uh, the reaction for my dad passed when I was 13. Oh, okay. So, okay. Lost him early. So, okay. that, you know, for sure. share some of that information later on. But so mom, you know, once again, stickler for education, et cetera. It never was about what field you worked in. It was about were you making a difference? You know, as her being a school teacher, you know, she was instrumental in when we moved down here. She was one of the original board members at the Donmore Boys and Girls Club. 
her thing was about making an impact. And so when I got the contact from State Farm, she didn't have you know any quorums with me changing from being a chemist to going into insurance. It was about A, is this what I want to do? And B, am I making an impact? So, you know, doing that and, and going through that process, there was never any question about, you know, career change. Okay. Because one of the things that she always used to emphasize with me was that all in education, especially a college education, is saying is that you can com complete a long-term task. You know, because you become a, a, a chemist in terms of the, the, the degree that you receive doesn't mean that's who you are as an individual. Absolutely. You know, so you can go out and do whatever you want in life. The way I got to Champaign, it was kind of ironic. I, at the time, I was living in Roselle, Illinois, which is just outside Schaumburg. Okay. Uh, had two young sons at the time. And so my goal was actually to stay in the northwest suburbs. And there was an agency six blocks from my house in oh. Streamwood. And so it was between me and another young lady for that particular agency. The night of our graduation in Bloomington, we were sitting at the table and the recruiter came over to me and he said, how would you like to go to Champaign? And I thought it was for training. So I'm like, oh, that's great. I can see the family, you know, hang out with my brother and sister, right. you know, do a couple of weeks in Champaign, then go back home. He said, no, we just had an agent retire tonight. Hmm. And they had one agent, Marcy McAnally, who's over on Mattis, we were in the same group together. She was going to get that position because she had indicated she wanted uh, a broader location, like in central Illinois. Okay. Whereas, you know, as quirky as I am, to give you an idea, they bring you in and they put a, a map of the state on the wall and they ask you, where will you go? And if you say you'll go anywhere, you move up the ladder. Well, I went in and when I did my interview, they said, where will you go? And I took a pen. I had a red pen and I put a dot on the agency in Streamwood and I put a red dot on Champaign. I said, those are the only two places I'll be an agent. Huh. And the guy told me, he said, well, you'll never become an agent with that type of attitude. And I said, well, maybe it's not meant for me to be, but I know where I want to be. Whatever I want to do, I'm going to be laser focused on how I want to do it. And I'm not going to let somebody else deter me. I guess that's why I used to fight with my basketball coaches all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So made that, that journey ended up coming back here. So ended up. Yep. Wow. So and, and I'm learning, even though as much as we've talked, I'm I'm learning something new. So as we continue to talk, um, and, and we've had many conversations um in regards to insurance, um, we all know that historically in our communities, um, you know, we just haven't been diligent in making sure that we have medical and or um, life insurance. Can you just tell um, the listeners just the importance for barbers, um, independent contractors, and just, you know, self-employed and just community overall, why it's so important to have both health insurance and life insurance? Well, first of all, let's look at it from the standpoint of probability. Mm -hmm. Okay. The purpose of buying insurance is to protect you in case of a large loss. That's the definition of insurance. Large loss. Of a large loss. Large loss. Not a loss, a large loss. Yes, absolutely. Because when you think about ratios, think about the ratios of money you pay to money that you will receive back 
for a claim. So what's the one thing that's going to happen to all three of us? We're going to die. We're going to die, right. right We're all right. going to die. We all right. know that. As my father just, tells me, ain't no getting out this shit alive. <laughs> no. There you go. Your pops <laughs> nailed it. We all going to get put in a box. Right. We all going six feet under. Right. So that means the probability of dying is 100%. Okay. So should anybody have to tell you to buy life insurance? Absolutely not. But when you go out and buy a car, what's the first thing you do? You got to have insurance. Get insurance. You got to get it. But that is, that's mandated by the state. Right. It's not right. you. Right. True story. <laughs> True that's story. Mandated by a lien, that's mandated by a lien holder mm -hmm. if you borrow somebody else's money. Mm -hmm. But what's the probability of you having a car accident? A lot less than dying, right? They, Case closed. So <laughs> if, if we're if we're gambling, if you if you went into a casino and to your right there was a table that said hundred percent return, and then there was a table that said thirty three percent return, where are you gonna put your money? hundred percent return, <laughs> right? But as 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 the kids tell me all the time, we hustle backwards. Right. We protect the house and the car, but we don't protect our life and our health. Because two things, we just talked about life insurance. We know we're gonna die. That should be a no brainer conversation. But what, what's the history behind why we don't buy life insurance? Well, when we were coming up, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. you know, think about the old penny policies. I don't know if you ever uh, remember that when you were a kid, but there used to be a guy that would come around the house maybe on a Saturday had a little collection book and your parents or your grandparents might pay him a couple of dollars or whatever. And he tore a little tab out and he gave them that tab. That was their receipt. Mm -hmm. so those were the old penny policies that were sold in the hood back in the day. Yeah. Well, what happened? You saw grandma, grandpa and them diligently pay their premium. And then they passed away and you never saw that, that return on a death benefit. Right, and, and that was because either those policies were termed to a certain age. So let's say they were termed to 70, which mean at age 70, if you were still alive, that policy went away. Grandma and grandpa didn't know that. Family didn't know that. So when they passed away, there was no death benefit because let's say they were 75, or 80. So they paid all that premium, but they got no return on that policy. Right. Or what's the other thing? Grandpa paid for 30, 40 years, and now he's retired, and maybe his money's a little funny, or maybe he's just like, I'm not gonna pay the premium anymore. Right. But we didn't know that, and now he passes, you find an old policy in the closet, you call Acme Insurance Company and say, hey, I wanna file a claim, and they say, sorry, but Mr. Smith stopped paying on that policy seven years ago, so it lapsed out, there's no coverage. So historically, we have we already have an adversarial relationship with the insurance industry. So think about what's happened, whether it be Tulsa or, uh, or other riots that happened at the turn of the century and the 20th century, where financial institutions were destroyed within our community. We just have not had the foundation to buy life insurance or health insurance. Okay. And so talking about health insurance briefly, we just talked about 100% about life insurance. Well, health insurance, 
you you know the older you get, the more likely you will get sick. Right. But what do we do? Once again, we have our money going into other avenues because we don't think it's going to happen to us. Right. Asha's going to get sick. Jink is going to get sick. But Joe's not going to get sick. Right. And then when Joe gets sick, either the coverage I had through my job isn't adequate enough, or as you just indicated, as a barber or an independent contractor, you are the corporation. You are the company. You're the one to provide the benefits. And that's the first thing you should protect is the wage earner. But unfortunately, we're too busy looking at the shiny object and the laser pointer as opposed to looking at what's in the mirror every day. So true, that's true. the reason why we have a lot of issues within the community in terms of buying those two products. Absolutely. So, so also just with your um, experience living in the neighborhoods, living by barbershop growing up, um, do you feel that's the same thing that plays into um, why a lot of, of barbers and, and people in, in the barber industry just lack, um, you know, getting, getting those things? Because I, I know one thing as a barber, you know, we're one of very few um, industries that, you know, we obtain money daily. And usually in a cash form until cash happened, Venmo and things like that um, mm -hmm. came about, right? Um, and so money is made, but just the, um, I don't know, just, you want to say we, we, a lot of us just ignore, but, but what do you think the reason is behind that? When, when we're making money and still choose not to spend it, you know, on those areas, especially like me being a barber, standing up on your feet, your hands, you know, um, those things wear down. Mm -hmm. Well, let's let's start with life insurance. Okay. When you buy life insurance, it's not for you. Right. Life insurance is to replace your income that you generate when you're no longer there. Absolutely. So you think about it. Life insurance is a love purchase, right. if I can put it that way. You right. love your wife. You love your children. You love your family. So what you're saying is that I'm going to go buy a product. In case I die, or not in case, when I die, right. we'll replace the money that I generate. Right. And so you just did, you stand on your feet all day, you're doing these cash transactions. So it's a tangible product. You cut my hair, I give you cash. You cut somebody else's hair, they give you cash. You come into my office, you give me cash, I give you a promise. And the promise is not for you. So mentally, you're saying, why am I going to give Stovall this money when he's not going to give me anything in return? He's going to give that peace of mind to my family. So that's a personal decision. And that's the conversation that actually has to be had in the community is the love conversation. Do I love my family enough that when I pass, they won't struggle? And you know, all three of us know we can sit down in the barbershop and have this conversation. And there might be some brothers that say, man, I don't want no other brother laying up in my house, eating my food, the money I left, you know, that concept of when I'm gone, I'm gone. Right. But as a responsible black man, you are responsible to your wife, your children, et cetera. So that's the first conversation that has to be had. And that's the reason why I think it's tough because it's a product that you're buying 
for somebody else. You're not mm. buying it for yourself personally. The health insurance area, I think it goes to, once again, history. You mm. know, when you think about what we've been dealing with with this pandemic and now the vaccine's out and how many African-Americans are skeptical about a lot of things when it comes to our medical industry. And a lot of times we, you know, we'll do the old remedies. Give me some apple cider vinegar. You know, I'm gonna eat this root. I'm gonna drink this tea right. before I go to the doctor. Right. So if I, if I don't spend my money on health insurance, then I can use that as an avoidance mechanism to say, well, you know, I don't have the health insurance, mm. so I can't go to the doctor. You know, mm. so they're, they're, like I said, this is a very complex question or a complex issue that we have to deal with. And it really has to be a community conversation as to planning. And I think the final thing I would say on it, you talked about the trash, the cash transactions. Mm -hmm. Because it's cash, I think that's the other thing. When we've been raised to be conservative when it comes to money as African-Americans. So when you get it, you want to keep it. Right. So when I talk to you about health is wealth. And so we got to protect your wealth by making sure you have the proper products in place. And let's say you buy that product from me and you've had it for 20 years and you've never used it. Mentally, what are you going to say? Thank you. Waste of money. That's the thought process, as opposed to looking at it as an investment into you, knowing that you've protected yourself the same way you buy that insurance to protect your cars and that insurance you buy to protect your house. You may never have a claim on that, but you know you have the peace of mind that if something does happen, we're there for you. Mm. Mm. Those are good points, great points. Yeah, it, it truly, and, and it, it took me to get older to realize the peace of mind that, like you said, it's, 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 very, it's very difficult to have that conversation with your significant other, with, you know, an agent. And I think, because like you said, you, you, you really get to talking about when I'm gone, you know, just that those, those simple little appointments, when you're talking about how much you, how much you need, how much you can afford, you know, beneficiaries, you really get in this mindset of this is like for when I'm gone, but it's like after everything is executed, it's just a peace of mind. It's just like you, you, you just see people struggling and you just feel for them. But I think what you're saying is just a peace of mind. And, and I think it's a great thing. You, you explained it. Like, I think a, a, a young child could understand can understand the concept the way you explained it. So right. that that's that's great. Break, I, yeah. So breaking it down in, in layman's terms. And 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 for me, um Jinx and Joe, you know, like this whole conversation didn't become real to me until Miel passed away. Um mm -hmm. my wife and I, we didn't have insurance that time. Um you know six kids and and you know um just really had never been been truly exposed to the conversation and then just with you know having him he calls me on September 1st I don't talk to him think I got time to talk to him get a call 
an hour, 6.30 or 7 o'clock on September 2nd, and he's no longer with us. Um, and that was the, the turning point um, for us. And now you fast forward to social media where it even becomes more evident and more real because now you're watching all these GoFundMe's. And so somebody passes away, um, they're not prepared, the families are not prepared, and then they're you know, hoping that the, the community can, can help them with the final arrangements. And, and so all those things um, become truly real, man. Um, I know man. personally for myself, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mentioned my dad passed when I was 13. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I got to see, I got to see it firsthand when I was, you know, 13 year old. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad worked for the railroad and, you know, benefits were the greatest at that time. Mm-hmm. So I got to see that personally and how it affected, you know, uh, our family. Wow. And so that's one of the things that sits in me when I have this conversation with people. Right. The other thing is, we've all been to funerals. And my first experience going to uh, a Caucasian uh, individual who had passed away, I was in Quincy mm-hmm. and one of our boosters, uh, he owned several Hardys in town okay. and he passed suddenly. And so the basketball team, we had to go uh, to the funeral and it was the first funeral I'd been to. First of all, it was like I said, it was the first white funeral I'd been to, but it was the first funeral I'd been to where it, there was not a lot of grieving. And I was, you know, 18. I'm, you know, me and some of the other brothers from the team are sitting there and we're just looking around. And I couldn't, you know, at the time, because, you know, just five years previous, my dad had passed. Sure. And I remember how, you know, devastated I was when my dad passed. And then I started to learn as I got older. The grief comes in the reality of what we're going to do now. Mm-hmm. Meaning, when somebody who is prepared financially and they pass away, they're passing wealth. When we lose somebody, they might be passing us dead. Mm. And so now we're trying to figure out what do we do now? You know, dad brought in all the money. He did all of this. And now that money's, that money's gone. You know, how are we going to eat? Where are we going to live? Am I going to go to college? All those questions come up and that's the purpose of life insurance is to fill those gaps. So when that happens, it may not, you know, that loved one is not coming back, but at least you don't have to wonder, can your children go to college? Can your your loved ones live in the house that you have? It gives them options. And that's the thing that we missed within our community is giving the next generation options. We gotta stop passing debt. and We gotta start passing wealth. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so man, <laughs> like Jim said, the way you break it down, it, it just all, all comes together because you, you really don't think in the moment, but just, you know, as you speak and looking on the outside, on the outside looking in, you think, you know, not only are you grieving the absence of a person and that that person will no longer um, be with you, but like you said, the stress of maintaining everything that that individual may have or or assisted in providing that that's stressful in and of itself yeah. yeah that's that's deep so so can you you tell us um just what type of policies um the state farm provide 
um, and how, how they work. You know, um, I know there's term life insurance, right? Um, which is something I had. I know one time we talked about um, some policies that had the potential um, to, to pay back. Um, I talked to Joe Taylor. I know he talked about um, even some annuities in, in terms of the, the retirement department. So I know you guys deal with a plethora of, 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 of things. So can you kind of tell us about some of those things? Sure. We've got um, about 95 products that we sell, but uh, for the sake of time and just, you know, the conversation, because this is a great conversation to have, the three main products, <coughs> excuse me, that we have, term insurance. So I always tell people, term insurance is renting an apartment. When you hear the concept, it doesn't matter what anybody, what insurance agent tells you, you're renting insurance. So if you hear somebody say, I got a 10 year term, that means for 10 years, mm -hmm. your rent's not gonna go up and that's your premium. So you're gonna pay the same premium whether you pay monthly or annually, you're going to pay that same premium for a 10 year period in return. The life insurance company is going to give you a set amount of a death benefit. So it could be 50,000, hundred thousand quarter million, et cetera. At the end of that term, that 10 year term, there's three things can happen. Just like with renting an apartment. The first thing is the landlord says, Hey, you're a good tenant. I'm gonna let you renew for 10 more years and I'm not going to raise your rent. The second thing is the landlord can say, hey, you're a good tenant, but due to the cost of living, you're going to have to raise your rent a little bit. So for another 10-year period, let's say you're paying $20 a month, this 10-year period, you're going to pay $30 a month. Third thing the landlord can say is, you know what? You've been in this apartment too long. It's time for you to go. And that's a, a term that maybe has an age limit on it. So like I mentioned in the earlier the conversation, you could have a term to 70 or term to 75 or term to 80, meaning that once you hit that age, if you're still alive, that policy dissipates. It's no longer available. So that's term insurance. Why is term insurance important? That's the cheapest policy you can buy in terms of the ratio of premium to coverage. So, you know, you can spend $20 a month, you know, if you're young and healthy, and buy a $100,000 term policy or quarter million dollars. I always advise young people who are, let's say you just bought a house and you got to protect that mortgage. I'm going back to this conversation about you don't want your, your, your spouse to stress if you pass away, buy you a 30 year term because you got a 30 year mortgage. Mm -hmm. You go 30 years, you got your mortgage paid for, that term insurance is still there though. So mm -hmm. now you got the best of both worlds. You still got 30 years of, a hundred thousand and a quarter million, and you got a paid for house. So mm -hmm. now you can take that term. And if you want to keep it as term, just renew it and go another 30 years. The next policy is whole life. Whole life is buying a house because what whole life is, is you're buying coverage at a set premium. So when you buy at whatever age you are at that point, that premium will never change, just like your mortgage. And what happens with a house? Over time, you build equity in a house. That's the cash value in a whole life policy. Mm. So if you have a whole life policy for 15 years, you look in there and see that cash value, and you say, you know what? I want that money. 
So what do you do when you have a house? You sell the house to get the equity out of the house. Whole life insurance, you surrender it. You, you cancel the policy and they will give you the, the cash surrender value. That's how you get the money out. But let's say, let's go back to the example of the house. Let's say you don't want to sell your house, but you want to get cash out of it. So you go to your lender and you say, I need a home equity loan. I got $100,000 of equity in my house and I need 50,000 to do a project. So they give you 50,000 and then you just continue to pay that back. You can do the exact same thing with a whole life policy. You can take the loan against the cash value and then you can pay that back. The great thing about taking a loan on a life policy is what? Let's say you got a death benefit of $100,000. You've had this whole life policy for 30 years. So you got a lot of cash in it. Right. You take 20 grand out and you never pay it back and you die. The life insurance company just takes the first 20 off the top of your death benefit and then they pay your benefactor the rest of the remaining death benefit. Right. The good thing about taking that loan is you didn't have to go to the bank. You didn't have to qualify. You just say, hey, give my money. All right. You know, now, once again, what's the cost? Whole life is about three to four times higher in premium per month than term insurance. So you're going to pay more at the outset, but the benefits, because you also get dividends in a whole life policy. And all dividends are is a return on your premium because life insurance companies, they don't just take your premium and put it in the bank. They take your premium and invest it. So State Farm, we're a very conservative company, been around for 98 years. So we invest your premium in AAA bonds. So bonds give you a low rate of return, you know, four or 5%, but they're guaranteed. And so that money goes back into your policy. So dividends can either accumulate in your policy like cash, or we can set your dividends to buy what are called paid up additions, which is buying additional insurance. So as your policy grows, your death benefit is growing because the dividends are buying the additional insurance and you don't have to spend additional money out of your pocket to buy that additional insurance. And so it's this, it, there are so many multiple options. The last policy is universal life, which was real popular in the seventies and eighties because of high interest. Mm -hmm. The interest rates were super high back then, double digit. You know, Jimmy Carter was in office, inflation was double digit, you know, and then your boy Ronald Reagan came in. I know Jinx, that's his guy, he got a poster <laughs> in his room. <laughs> but Ronald Reagan came in and uh, he brought in a guy named Don Regan. Don Regan used to work for Merrill Lynch. And one of the things they wanted to do is get money in circulation and how our, our economy is set up now. This is a whole nother show, but their goal was by slashing interest rates, it forced money out of the banks. So by slashing the interest rates, universal life policies really didn't have the appeal they had because now you can get a universal life policy and the return is like 3%, which ain't even cost of living right now. Right. So I, I would never advise somebody today okay. to buy a universal life. If you bought one years ago, just keep it and keep funding it. But those are the three policies. And then you mentioned earlier about annuities, which are uh, return on investment. And State Farm annuities, we going back to what I said earlier, we're very conservative. 
So your return is very conservative, but it's safe. So, you know, if you don't want to mess around with the stock market and, you know, get you some GameStop and short on stock <laughs> and all that other stuff. Right. You know, just, we're like, I, I got a, I got a turtle on my desk. <laughs> the reason why I got the turtle on my desk is to remind people that, you know, the difference between the hare and the tortoise, slow and steady wins the race. Right. And we've been around 98 years. So I think it works. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so uh, just since you, you, you explain stuff so uh, great. So I'm gonna get vulnerable and transparent. So you, you describe me to a T. So when I first bought my house in 2006, that was the first thing I did. I got um, term life. Cause I was scared, Joe, I ain't gonna lie. Like I closed, we closed and I was crying. I'm like, I just done signed the life where I'm in all this debt, like for real. <laughs> So then, um, so I got the term and, you know, so there is this term versus whole life and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and just with the whole life as, as far as the barbers and the independent contractors, just bringing it back to the, the um, foundation of the show. Um, what, what would you tell, because most barbers, I ain't gonna say most barbers, but there are a lot of young barbers what would you tell a young barber, you know, and I think you answered it, but. Um, Jinx, and I don't mean to cut you off, I think barbers in general, because you'd be surprised. Yeah, so, yeah. so, like, for me, term is just, like, I, I just want to do so much, you know, whether it's the stocks, whether it is, you know, GameStop or Dodgecoin is, is, is the new wave now, but uh, for somebody that, 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 really is trying to like is term good enough for me i mean i'm probably like 10 10 into a 30 so what as a as an agent what would you what would you tell me just and i know you know excellent question here's what i would tell you you know what the best policy is at the time of your death the to one that's in force. that's that it. it okay <laughs> the one that's in force Okay. Because your benefactor ain't going to ask me, did you have whole or term? Your benefactor is going to want to know, did you have life insurance? You know, let's, let's go back to that love conversation. So speaking to young barbers, middle-aged barbers, old barbers, what works for you may not work for the next guy. So let's start with a young barber. Young barber that's coming out. He's got no kids. He's an artist, you know, he goes to these hair shows. He's making money hand over fist. I'm gonna talk to him about getting a, what is called a modified whole life policy. Here's the example. A modified whole life policy, whole life means you pay for the whole life of the policy. So like you take it out when you're 25 and you pay until you 85, and then you pass away, that's what the whole life is. But now we're gonna modify it. So I'm gonna to talk to him about what is called a 10 pay or a 15 pay or a 20 pay. And what does that mean? It means we're taking that time period and we're gonna shrink it to 10 years, 15 years or 20 years. And why are we gonna do that? Number one, the policy is the cheapest based on your age. So the younger you are, the less premium you're going to pay. 
So let's say we got a 25 year old barber in good health, family history is good. I'm gonna say, let's get a 10 or 15 pay. It's gonna be pretty expensive. And what I mean by that is the monthly premium may be two, $300, but why am I doing that? Because what we're trying to do is accelerate the return of money. If we want a slow pimp, we pay $20. But if we want to get on this fast track, we pay $200. So let's use that concept of $200 for a young person. He opens a passbook savings account at his local bank. And every pay period, every two weeks, let's just use that, he drops $200 into the bank. So every month he's got $400. At the end of the year, he's going to have $4,800. And he dies. What does the family get? $4,800. Yeah. But if he has a 10 pay life or 15 pay or 20 pay, so let's say the death benefit on it is 50,000. And he does the same thing with that. And he dies within the first year, they're going to get 50,000. Oh. If he goes 10 years, let's use 10 years as the example. And after 10 years, he's still alive. A, he's paid the policy off. He paid the 10 year period. Oh. B, the cash value in there may be $30,000, $40,000. C, because it's a whole life policy, it has dividends. So the dividends are going to make that $50,000 death benefit grow. And D, because it's a whole life policy, the cash value, even though after 10 years he's done paying, it's still going to grow. So he could buy a policy at 25 and be done paying at 35. And then at 55 may have $75,000 in a policy that he may only have paid $20,000 for. Okay. So that's a young barber, middle-aged barber, or a barber with children. I may say, get a term plan. Why? Because now he's got more responsibility and maybe his budget's different. So let's buy a hundred thousand or a quarter million or half million, depending on how much coverage you need, based on whether you bought a house, how old your kids are. Maybe he's focused on protecting uh, his income so they can go to college. Maybe he's not worried about residency. Maybe his girl works or whatever. You know, it really depends on specific situation. And then an older barber, maybe just be looking for some burial coverage. Maybe he's done the proper investment, et cetera, but he wants to make sure that, hey, Something happened to me, I just need enough coverage to pay for my services. So I may say, hey, let's get a $10,000 whole life policy or 25,000, something that falls within the range. As you know, call, average cost of a burial is anywhere from 10 to $15,000. So let's get you something in there so that something happens, you know, whoever your benefactor is knows that this policy is here, take this, pay for the funeral, and then everything else he's done with his investments goes to the family. Mm. And you answered, because that was my next question, just the average cost of a burial. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and, see, and so now let's talk about that. Let's, let's, you know, death is a business. You know, funeral homes, they, you know, as long as people die, there will always be funeral homes. Absolutely. I had an old podcast and, and it's still up, but you know, keeping it local, we 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 talked to uh, uh, Tim Leak over here. You know, and, mm -hmm. and it's 
it just opened, you know, the, the spot on Bradley had just opened and, um, you know, we were just, um, you know, it, it, my fault, my fault, but you're right. Def is basically deaf. It, it's a business, you know, he, he, he cleaning up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> 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 great man. Great man. I was very impressed, but yeah, he, he, he definitely cleaning up. And, and and to that point, he has a job. Yeah. And he provides a service. And he has to get paid for his service. There are two customers that he's going to deal with. He's going to deal with the customer who has not prepared or the family is not prepared. And so now we're talking about, as you mentioned, GoFundMe mm-hmm. or the, the old school. Well, we got to wait till Uncle Charlie get here from Mississippi. You know, then we got to sit around the kitchen table and we got to talk and, right. you know, call Osh and Stu, you know, I know he put a lot on last time, but let's see what he, that's, we know that we're right. black. We know that right. the preparation that we need to do is say, Hey, do you want to have the horse drawn carriage with the doves and the marching band? Or do you want to be put in a urn <laughs> and you know, sing two songs and we walk out. Right. You know, we, but that's why the life insurance is there, not only for the other things, but also, you know, is funeral important? Some people right. it's not, some people right. it is. Right. Going back to what Jinx said, those are the conversations. That's that love conversation that what you don't want to do is, is end up putting that on a grief stricken loved one. I have to make the decisions for you, you know, and as a funeral director, if I say to you, yeah, you know, Osh, Osh loved his basketball. So we're going (laughs) to, you know, we're going to give him the LA Lakers casket and, you know, the NBA logo on it. And right. That's what he wanted. Right. Put some LeBron's on my feet, some Jordan's on my feet. (laughs) You know, they 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 they're salesmen. They have a job to do. Right. I don't right. discourage Gold. anybody. Gold clippers. Twenty four K. Right. Hey, I, I I told my wife and my mother, and I said, you know, and it's always a a, a tough conversation when you talk about death. But I, I told him, I said, you know, um, don't put me in the ground. Don't put me in no casket in the ground. I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> burn me up and take me with you I just, don't be get look y'all if i didn't work hard and then pay these premiums y'all better do something with this money it better not go it better not go to nobody else there you go now now uh we talked about health insurance so does state farm offer uh, independent health insurance we we go through Blue Cross Blue Shield. Okay. You know the health industry is pretty difficult, so Blue Cross okay. Blue Shield. Okay, so um, I know you, you know, illustrated why uh, why health insurance is important. Can you just uh, kind of elaborate on Ash is a barber. Um, he left his job in corporate America. His insurance, his health insurance through the job lapsed. He, he sees his insurance agent. He, he asks about health insurance. You know, how is that conversation going to go? This is going to go like, I'm going to share what I do. 
because I'm an independent contractor, just like a bar. Okay. Okay. Number one, I have to buy my own health insurance. So I get Blue Cross Blue Shield. That's number one. Okay. Number two, what kind of deductible do you want? You know, we, 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 when we work for Kraft or the U of I or these other companies in town, you go to your benefits meeting in what, October? You pick A, B, C, or D. The enrollment is May, yep. Right. You you enroll and you walk out. But when you're an independent contractor and everything comes out of your pocket, you have to make the decision, okay, if I take this high deductible, here it is February, so, you know, we're basically into a new year and I get sick. Do I have $10,000 to pay before they pay anything? Right. Have I prepared for that? Maybe I look at the $5,000 deductible with the 80-20 plan. You know, that's the conversation I start off with. Then we talk about supplemental coverage. So, for example, you we've seen the AFLAC commercials. Right. State Farm sells a policy called hospital income. and It's exactly what it's called. You go in the hospital, it pays you a certain stipend, um, you know, $100, $200 a day. If you're in intensive care, it doubles. If you have an accident, you get five times, you know, there's all these different hidden uh, benefits in there. But the main thing is, A, knowing your budget, B, knowing your lifestyle, and C, where is that money coming from? Is, you know, when you go to the doctor, do you pay your, is it a $20 copay or $50? Where does that come from? And how do you allocate that money in your budget when you make that money cutting hair? Have you sat down with a financial planner? Because that's to me the key. You guys said earlier you had a financial planner on the show. Right. What you're supposed to do in 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 a perfect world is you sit down with your financial planner and they know basically every dollar you spend. And then you call me and other folks because our jobs is to fill in those gaps of what the financial planner found. Mm. So if he says, you need a half million dollars in life insurance, go see Joe Stovall. You come in, I run a proposal, you go back to your financial planner. He says, take take the, the second one, take the, the term plan because the premium works with your budget. You do the term plan. Now your health insurance. All right, we do the Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, $5,000 deductible, 80-20 copay, uh, and then you set up a health savings account because that money is tax deductible. You know, that's where all these financial professionals come into your life. Your job is to cut hair. Right. Our job is to make sure the money you make is there to take care of you and not being just, you know, going down the river. And so, you know, conclude on the health part. The last thing is disability. You talk mm-hmm. earlier about being on your feet all day, et cetera. Right. You, are, you are the shop. You are the business. Right. You know, if Kraft doesn't make macaroni, they can't make money. Right. You can't cut hair. You can't make money. And so what happens when you are in a car accident or you get sick and you're mm-hmm. disabled? Got to get disability insurance. You got to mm-hmm. protect because what happens when you're disabled? Income goes down, expenses right. go up. Right. You know, but mm. 
all those yep. things are available. It, it really boils down to the last thing I always say about health insurance. Mm -hmm. What is your risk tolerance? Are you that guy that says, when your nose run, do you go to the doctor? Or do your arm have to be falling off for you to go to the doctor? That'll tell you what type of insurance you're buying. If you're the guy that your arm is falling off, then you go to the doctor, you may not buy all these policies. But if you're the guy that when you get the sniffles, you go to the doctor, you're the one that's going to buy additional insurance. So, so do you guys with State Farm, do you offer disability? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we offer, uh, you can get what are called uh, individual or short-term DI, okay. long-term DI. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, short-term DI might be a 12-month policy. Okay. Because the average uh, disability lasts about 90 days. So the problem with disability mm -hmm. is that your elimination period, which is your mm -hmm. deductible, Okay. When you sit down with your benefit planner at a job, et cetera, they'll ask you, do you want the 30-day elimination, 60, 90, et cetera? All yeah. that means is that that time period, your benefits won't be paid. Okay. So if you take a 120-day uh, elimination period and your disability is 90 days, you're paying premium on something that you're never going to collect them. Mm. So you got to be able to, you know, and, and, and it's an inverse proportion. Uh, mm -hmm. The shorter your elimination period, the higher your premium. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's why I said that certified financial planner is important because they're looking at, you know, maybe you don't need direct TV with the premium package right. so you can watch all your basketball games. Right. Maybe that money can be moved to buy this product because direct TV going to get cut off when ain't no money coming in. Right. Because you didn't have the disability, but if you got the disability, you may not be able to watch the premium, but you can at least watch TNT. Right. So mm. right. true story. I, I, I want to I want to say something before you ask your question. Uh, by, by the way, this is the I Come Away Out podcast. Uh, we hour and some change in. We're not gonna keep our special guest, Joe Stovall of State Farm Insurance, too much longer, but just uh, you are listening to our Come Away Out podcast again, everywhere where you can listen to podcasts and especially our YouTube uh, channel. Subscribe to it. You can put our Come Away Out in the search engine and just hit that subscribe button. But uh, again, joined by Joe Stovall. And, and before you ask your question, Ash, I just wanted to really just say, hey, you know, um, this this isn't like this isn't to scare off um the independent contractor, the entrepreneur. I think what it is really just doing is, is making you go harder to, to protect what you're accumulating and what you're gaining with your hard work. And right. it's just bringing awareness. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at, you know, he, again, Joe, you've done a great job of just saying, hey, you know, term, I'm a, I'm, I am, term is affordable out to listeners. It's affordable. And it gives you a peace of mind, you know, the insurance, you know, we living in, we're in a live pandemic right now and, you know, people getting sick and people dying. And so, I mean, just being able, if you have to go to the hospital, like it's very important. So Joe, man, thank you for, right. for really just, you know, giving us the game. So now it's just right. up to us, you know, like right. it's up to us to really, you know, do something, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, right. yeah, so. Right. 
he he's dro- he's dropping the jewels and, and we have to to run with it. And Joe, I think, you know, like I, I pointed to earlier, um, just your purpose and, and your ability to be a successful, um, your ability not only as a people person, but also to be able to articulate um, your knowledge to anyone, you, you know, I mean, you, you, you are able to make sure that people can comprehend um, the, the knowledge that and, and the jewels that you are dropping. So greatly appreciate it. Um, I have a couple, couple more questions. Um, again, you know, with, with it being a, a Bob Barber's podcast, um, we want to talk about just in general, but also stay that lane a little bit. And so for myself, you kind of talk about the younger, the middle age, the older. And so, you know, for me, you know, working in the school district all those years, coaching and cutting part-time and then just putting that all behind me and just jumping full throttle. So I'm still um, just navigating, right? And, and trying to make sure everything um, that I need to be in place is, is in place. Um, so as we talk about barbershops, because that's one of my future goals is to open a barbershop. And I think what what's missing in a lot of barbershops is that leadership in terms of being able to provide this information or giving the barbers um, an avenue and resources to learn this information. And I think in our environment, in our communities, that's where we go wrong in terms of, of barbers, right? Um, and just independent contractors, just self-employed. We don't, we, we either we don't have the resources or we don't use them. So as it pertains to barbershops, um, barbers and barbershops, are there plans available? Like if you work in a barbershop and you have multiple employees, um, are there multiple, if, if there are multiple barbers in the shop, are there discounted rates? Or are there, there group purchases that can be made to possibly um, decrease the, the amount um, that insurance would cost one individual per se? Excellent question. So the, what we got to look at is how the shop is set up. Okay. Traditionally, in African-American community, we have an owner of the shop, mm-hmm. and then each individual sh- uh, barber does a booth rent to, to maintain their independent contractor status. Right. So because of that, the, each individual has to insure themselves. Okay. okay? So if, if we're looking at it from the you know, I go all the way back to, to Freddie, just to, you know, when we moved here, you know, I could walk out the kitchen door, sneak through the backside, and I'm sitting in Freddie's barbershop where mm. Joe Taylor started. You know, okay. so Freddie and Mr. Banks, and then, you know, Mr. Drish, and so right. on before Taylor started. So right. understanding that history, that's the first thing. Now, if we have it in a LLC, a limited liability corporation, Okay. So, for example, I'm, I'm going to use Supercuts as an example. Okay. Supercuts is a, a, a corporation, a chain. You go in, you make your appointment with whoever they cut you up, and you walk out. So the insurance in that scenario is provided for Supercuts as the, the organization. Okay. So if something happens within the organization, those are employees of the organization. So they're acting on behalf of Supercut. So if there's any issue or injury, et cetera, the insurance would be provided for Supercuts. That person does whatever for Supercuts. 
bam, we're going to take care of super cuts. But in a traditional setting, we're just looking at each individual. So guy comes in and he's got his booth. He gets Mm -hmm. his uh, policy to protect him for liability, has his policy for personal property, et cetera. And then the shop itself, if it's a lease situation where they don't, the owner doesn't own the the building, they're leasing the location. Then what we're going to do is provide liability insurance. You know, so if there's a slip and fall situation in the shop, outside, et cetera, we'll provide some medical in terms of that, you know, and then provide personal property protection because now like the chairs, that the barber chairs are owned by that individual. Sure. The, the chairs that the patrons sit in, maybe you have some electronics, TVs, et cetera. So right. we want to protect that property. So okay. that would be, so in terms of how we protect it is really based on the business entity, whether it's the sole proprietorship or if it's the LLC. LLC, okay, okay. And and just a rule of, or, or is there a rule of thumb um, as to the amount of coverage that a shop owner um, should have or, or how is that decided? It's really just decided based on what's in the shop. Okay. You know, if, if, if we, we go back to the, the old days, it was just a chair and the, the most important equipment is your equipment, your, right. your clippers and the tools of your trade, right. you know. So what we're trying to do is protect that within right. the shop itself, depending on, if they're going to be flat screen TVs, gaming systems, uh, areas for daycare, you know, I mean, one of the things that I am just amazed at is the advancement of, of barber shops. You know, I, I think uh, just like calling our these computers we have in our pockets phones, right, right. I think, I, I think it gives the disjustice to calling you a you know a barber shop when right. all the things that go on inside these buildings. So in terms of how much coverage you should have is just based solely on what you actually have in your shop. Right. And what needs to be covered. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm actually, we had um, a guest on um, smash the legend, an amazing barber. And um, he's based in Houston. He just opened up a new shop. Um, Jinx, did you get a chance to look at it on yeah. Instagram? Yeah. Man, uh, yeah. like you said, just to a whole nother level. Yeah. I'm 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 gonna um, send you that information, Joe, so you can go on um, Instagram and, and look at the pictures of the shop. But it's, it's just, yeah, like you said, it just used to be the the the, the plain shop, the chairs, your, your, your um, clippers and whatnot, maybe a pop machine, a vending machine here, and there. Now they're, they're turning into to lounges, um, literally. Yeah. Well, so. you know, I I say this and and. Uh, you guys, I mean, Ash, you do a fantastic job as a barber and Jinx. I know you as one of his clients, the the barbershop for the African-American community, especially for the black man. Right. That's our country club. Absolutely. And it gives us an opportunity, A, to escape the reality of the world, mm-hmm. but B, more importantly, there's a, there's a communal sense when you go into a barbershop regardless of who you are, you can drop your title at the door. Absolutely. Who you are in the community doesn't matter because whether it be a, a roasting session where people are talking <laughs> about each other, right. somebody selling something or whatever, 
it is that village concept that the barber gives and the barbershop gives to the community that is probably the last bastion of that feeling that we've had in the community. And so I always, I'm, I always tip my cap to barbers because you guys basically are the comprehensive point person for our communities. Appreciate it. Well, well put. And it, it's the truth. And, it, and like you said, it's one of those, those last staples in our community that, that still exists just in, in terms of the, the camaraderie, the unity and, and, and you know, um, things of, of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. I, 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 I'm, I'm getting ready to sip some haterade right quick. Haterade, <laughs> not Gatorade. <laughs> so Joe, I saw you at, uh, and this was a while ago, uh, 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 boys to men was selling dinners. They were selling uh, rib dinners. So this was a while ago um, over here on John Street. And you walked in and 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 you had just a, a great uh, set of hair, you know, on you. You know, your hair was just, <laughs> you'd grown it out. You almost had a fro. I, I think you had a fro. And I might have said, Man, who did your implants, man? You know, like uh, <laughs> that looks great. And and you know, I, I'm you know I'm not gonna tell your age, but I know you had a party a few years ago. You know, com commemorating, you know, a, a a milestone age. So um, so just for the people, man, especially me, you know. I need your doctor, Joe, man. Where, where are you at, man? I am, I'm, I'm, I'm you, and Edgar, you and Edgar Brummett, man, like y'all hair these days got me mad. Right. I guess I just sip on this haterade, man. Okay. I, I, I have, you know what? I take it as a badge of honor. You know, the, the fact that, that you can recognize that A is genetics. Okay. I ain't gonna say I'm Tiger Woods and I'm Kamakunasian, <laughs> you know. Hey, but Tiger, Tiger's struggling these days. So. Right, oh, Tiger, right. right. You know, he's struggling to in the win. The dominant genes. Uh, right. B, I, I take a lot of supplements. You know, okay. I, and I'm gonna say this, and because Ash, cuts my brother's hair. <laughs> First of all, Ash got to be an artist to cut because he's got feathers. <laughs> he doesn't have hair. You know, I got the bad hair in the family. You know, <laughs> you know when, when it comes to hair, when it comes to the snowballs, Bob got that good lay down, Cab Calloway, right. you know, hidey, hidey, ho hair. You, know? <laughs> you, call, you but, call it feathers. Hey, Jinx, he's, 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 a, he's the bird. I don't know what he is. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I, I've been... <laughs> now, I've always kept it cut low because, you know, back in the day, we used to wear the, the slopes and the Bobby Browns and this and that. Uh, and then once gumbies. the fade, the, the fade came along and I got the fade I, and it, it was also became uh, maintenance. But then when the pandemic hit, you know, obviously brothers was shut down. And uh -huh. so, you know, I couldn't get to the shop like I wanted. And I woke up one day and was looking like Samson. And <laughs> <laughs> So your strength was in your hair, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, but I, I, I try to keep it down, like I said, just to manage it. And 
I think the other thing is I wasn't caught up in the S curl committee back in the day, you know. Right. The Jerry curl damaged a lot of follicles in this community. Ooh, man, man, what you say? Premature baldness is, is not only hereditary, but it's also chemically induced. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, was, story, it was a wreck. Yeah, just not just from the Jerry curl. I, I think mine is from a from a bad diet and, and just not really, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I, I, you know, like 20s, I was 360s and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it just got thin. And I think when I look at my family, I, you know, my, my uncles, they, they have hair. So I think it was a bad, you know, not really taking care of myself like and I've always been big but yeah just yeah I think that's I can point to that probably but uh how how, so I mean I know you 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 know you just mentioned so so haircuts I mean just going to the barbershop haircut what what does that mean to you um just being in this community just you know like you said just coming from a good genetic family like I mean was 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 mom like really on you to keep your hair groomed or was it just like, I mean, just talk about that a little bit. Well, um, my mom always wanted a close crop, you know. She always right. wanted that. You know, and Pops, you know, he was a Navy man when he was in World War II, and, you know, being on the railroad. So he also wanted it that way. So I really, I always had mine really low as opposed to, you know, Bob always had to fro. But his was just a natural thing, That's you right. know. And so I always kept mine close crop and then, once I got into athletics, you know, it was just more of a maintenance thing because you're always in the shower, you know, and so you, you really couldn't do too much in terms of hair care products and anything like that. Right. So, yeah, it, and then, you know, when you get into an industry like insurance, which is a very conservative industry, right. you know, you, you can't really, you know, have that flair right. like you, you want to have. And, and, you know, and then I, I will add this, you know, I, I will be, God willing, 57 next month. So, uh, yeah, I'm blessed to still have it at right. 57. And, you know, I, I do the sea moss and the elderberry and the turmeric and vitamins and, you know, a lot of supplements and stuff like that. So, you know. So, well, so yeah. you try, trying to keep it, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, let as me as I can. Some, yeah, let me right. sip on some old haterade. Right. <laughs> Hey, man. like I said, I, I, I love that. That makes right. me feel good. Right, right. <laughs> man, well, this, this is this has been um, a very awesome interview, man. You you have, um, you know, pe- people can't afford to miss out on this, man. This is an issue that we have in our communities, just not barbers and independent contract, but just historically, man. Um, you know, we, we greatly appreciate you taking your time just to come on um, and just put put the knowledge out there for free, man. So one one favor we're going to ask you once we put it up, we'll um, we'll put it up. It'll drop next Monday, not this Monday. We do everything week in advance, man, just to, to tag it and put it out there on your Facebook. We know you have a lot of followers, man, because there are a lot of us that need to hear this, um, you know, and so that's why it was so important. You know, um, you're well-versed and well-spoken, so that always makes it easier. But, man, just having that insight and that knowledge um, and the way you've continued to um, just help our people and and help our community. Um, You know, I I know it's been a pleasure for me, uh, for you being my agent, 
Um, hope you're not retiring anytime soon, man. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, so man, we, we just greatly appreciate coming on this platform, um, Jinx us mixing it up and, and not just keeping it just with the barbers, but providing other aspects um, of the industry that are just as important as putting the clippers in your hand. Like you said, this is a route we all have to take whether we like it or not. And if we're not prepared, um, then we make it hard on, on our loved ones, man. And so this is something that, you know, we, we've ignored way too long and, and something that we all need to um, just take more insight. And, and so this will be a good listen for, for our listeners, man. So again, we greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I just want to say thank you. I mean, opportunities like this, number one, to talk to people you know who are uh, providing a platform, to me, is always a humbling experience. But number two, to be able to share information that will go within our community to, to help. Because this is what it's all about. You know, I can, you know, the old days of wearing the white shoes and belt and telling sale and plaid jacket, you know, those days are gone. Our, our responsibility when I say R as a State Farm agent, my responsibility is to share the information that is given to me. All I am is a conduit of that information to the public. What people do with that information, you know, you have a, a variety of choices. In Illinois, there's probably 250 insurance companies just in the state of Illinois alone. You know, there are companies all over the place in terms of uh, selling these products. So, you know, people have many choices out there. And so, I'm just humbled that and honored that I get an opportunity with guys like you just to share this information. If people want to follow up after they get a chance to hear the podcast, feel free to have them reach out to me. But uh, this is, this has just been a blast. Yeah. Give, give them, give them, give them your addies. Your, your, I know you, you got, you, you hit, you bless us with a drop. So, I mean, you could go ahead and drop the addresses, the, the socials. I mean, the numbers, I mean, yeah. You agent, so you don't mind giving all that up. So go. This is it. Go, yeah, go ahead. I've never done this. To us. I've never done this before. But if they want to hit me up, they hit me up at 356-8300-217 area code. My address is fourteen zero one North Prospect Suite Number Eight. I'm in the Prospect Plaza, just across from Dos Realist in Champaign, Illinois, one of the world famous Mexican restaurants in Champaign. And uh, they can hit me at www.joestoval.com is my website. It's www.joestoval. So J-O-E-S-T-O-V-A-L-L.com, no spaces. And like I said, what, what I really love to do, and I, and I mean this because I've, I've been doing this, it'll be 33 years this summer. Okay. What I, what I really like doing is what we just did today. I just love sharing the information because I feel that is what God has blessed me with is the ability to take information from somebody else and bring it back to my people. What my Absolutely. people do with it, whatever they want to do with it, I have no problem with, but I feel that's my job. And so today and in the future, if people need that information, just hit me up. I'll let them know. We can roll from there. Absolutely. You guys heard it here, the I Cut My Way Out podcast, Dropping Jewels, um, talking about the topic and the importance of um, insurance, life insurance, health insurance, um, annuities, and you're getting this information for free. So we, we thank all the listeners. We thank our guests. Um, 
as we go out, Jenks, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and, and, and take us out. But as I always do, I just want to thank all the Clipper companies um, and this Babliss Wall, um, Four Miles, JRL, um, Caliber, just everybody who makes it possible for us barbers to do what we do and, and allow us to cut our way out. So thank you and go ahead and take us out, Jess. And until then, put some respect on my name. Peace. I ain't, uh, you know, that's all I leave it out with. I done talked my right. shit so many other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks again, Joe, man. Appreciate you. Same. Had to do it all. Working two jobs to provide while I pursue the ball. Hoop dreams, no problem doing my own thing. Stepped in the world to get a win for the home team. Lace the sneakers for the crowd in the bleachers. This but get away from the lesson life teaches. But five nine don't follow the league guideline. Part of a champ, but I gotta tuck my pride now. Off the college for the knowledge, try my hand at math. But one call from back home really changed my path. My firstborn, now I got a mouth to feed. Told the southeast, I got a whole new route to lead. Young father, odd jobs, every day is real. Turn to the streets to try to eat or maybe pay a bill. Not proud of it, but I got it cooking good. But prison time on the mind wasn't looking good. I can't afford the price, so I tried the corporate life. Something wasn't sitting right. Every night I'm tossing life. They don't appreciate all my hard work. So I went ahead and jumped, let the Lord work. Beer culture 2020, yeah, we taking over. From the clippers to the hoodies that be draping over. Trying to come away out. Trying to come away out.